joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Angley, joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? I'm fair to middling, actually. Or as my one son <laughs> says, I'm mid. <laughs> You're mid. mid. Oh, jeez. What an yeah. absolute, uh, just a gut punch of a of an insult from your, from your son. Todd, and Todd has not been feeling super well. So we, uh, we recognize this episode is a bit late. We're going to try to get back on our uh, college football schedule of releasing episodes on Saturday. Uh, the big 10 schedule. Um, I think, um, would your brother appreciate if we made a cheeky dig at uh, Jim Harbaugh in Michigan? Probably. He probably right. would like probably. That. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh yeah. So, uh, I, w- I also we want to say on is why we haven't been, okay, whatever. Yeah, go ahead. What are you going to say? No, I was going to say that, um, I, I was, up till now, a COVID denier, and now I, I have to say that I'm, I'm <laughs> no longer one because <laughs> it's really, it's true. I'm sadly. <laughs> Todd is of course kidding, but also he has COVID, so yes. you're you're being a you're being a you're being a super trooper, uh, as Abba once sang, uh, to to be here today. So thank you, we appreciate. It. And today, of course, you know, actually, it's it is it is perhaps appropriate that you. Uh, have a uh, have have a disease that is part of a, a global pandemic because what we are talking about today is sci-fi That's and correct. the sci-fi film genre. Uh, we are to be very clear from the beginning. Uh, we are talking about sci-fi from its uh, roots in uh, silent film up until the moment where sci-fi changes forever in cinema, which is just to kill all the mystery. Is when two thousand one, a space odyssey comes out in nineteen sixty eight. So we're looking at a chunk of uh, film, uh, really starting with uh, George Milies and sort of going to end with uh, Kubrick on this. And uh, we're looking at, you know, the the tropes, the travails, the typical, whatever uh, uh, cuts across this uh, genre, as we often like to do, to try to come up with some uh, theory of it and, and, and to bring together the things that have shaped it and change it. And I, uh, one of the things, I don't know if this is a, uh, if this is a, a generative place to start, but just as a, as an opening take, um, isn't, is this not the genre that is most affected by real world events, which is part of why I brought the, your, you know, your COVIDness into this. Cause yeah, I, that's what I, I think. think. That's, I, I think I, this is most affected by it. I think you're right about that. I think you're right about that because especially it's responding to technological development, right? Like I yes. would even define, science fiction as opposed to the horror film as a, a, a film that's concerned or that's that's struggling with this antagonism between subjectivity and technology. Because mm-hmm. I think at times you it's tempting to say, well, wait a minute, subjectivity is a, is, is technological, right? Like it is, mm-hmm. it is like it's in, inseparable from the technological apparatus, but that's what science fiction. Did. And I think that's the conceit, obviously of a film like matrix. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, anyway, I think that, I think you're exactly right to say that it's the one most dealing with what's happening currently because precisely, I think because we live in a technological age and obviously films, a technological medium. And, and it, I don't think it's an accident that science fiction has a, would you say that, I think this is right, that it has a a predominance in cinema that it doesn't have in literature? I mean, in literature, it's there is, of mm. course, science fiction, but it seems much more confined, whereas science fiction, as you mentioned, 
Voyage dans la Lune, the trip to the moon, Voyage to the Moon is a is, yeah. is, is a is a, a foundational film. Two thousand and one changed the way cinematic experience happened. So the so yeah. science fiction is is uh, is responsible for landmarks in cinema. Whereas in literature, I don't think you know you know you have Time Machine by Wells, you have uh, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, Frankenstein, and maybe Frankenstein. Maybe this holds for Frankenstein that it, it is an apocal book and changes mm. the literary landscape. But I think most of the time, I think we'd say no. Science fiction in literary in the literary world has a more marginal status, and in the cinematic yeah. world, it's really crucial to the mainstream. Matrix, everybody yeah. went and saw, right? And I think uh, two thousand and one, everybody saw first straight and then they went and saw it on acid right like there's a whole <laughs> there's a whole and they even the marketing campaign when the film was re-released even played that up so i think that there's super funny. there's a i think they they advertise it as the ultimate trip that was the, oh. the advertising <laughs> for the second they re-released it like in 69 a year later with this idea that we're gonna we didn't i mean maybe they made kubrick i obviously knew when he first made the film but i think the marketers didn't Realize that there was this whole non-normie audience for the film, for the or the experience of the film, right? That's phenomenal. Um, that <laughs> that's awesome. So, uh, I mean, of course, and it, and it, and you're also talking about like one of the most referenced film uh, visually in in other media. Like I like I've been um, I've been rewatching uh, Futurama recently, and the number of times that like they they just borrow from from 2001 for plots of, you know, and, and I mean, and, and it is also so like, I mean, we're going to talk about this uh, later in the episode. I, I mean, do we, I think it's worth the question. Do we even, are we even afraid of artificial intelligence if that movie is not made? Yeah, I mean, maybe like, not. I, I, yeah. I just, I think it's, I mean, m- maybe at some point that just happens. Like you could, you could say that like, um, no, there's a history of, you know, the idea of technology becoming like aware of its or whatever. But like, I, I think if you were going to build that history, this is a if not you if not starting here then with that film like that's just such a like an important uh a spike and then it gets developed sentiment. right like like then yeah. alien really takes yeah. takes off from that and then terminator really i mm-hmm. i think terminator and terminator 2 are really key films responsible for that sense of I mean, and and I, I that sense of the the foreboding about AI, and 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 mm-hmm. even the term people use the term Skynet, which comes from Terminator, right. to reference yeah. the coming AI apocalypse. So I think it, you're I think you're true. absolutely right that a lot of the a lot of the fear of that maybe it's rightly placed. I don't know. We're not going to intervene on that question, but yeah, right. but I think uh, nonetheless, I think it has its roots in. I think you're right about that in in science fiction cinema. It's yeah, it's fascinating. I and also just to like, I think you're 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 right about the um again for to to continue the opening remarks like the the broader the broader strokes like I I, I think um it's not this is one of those this is one of those things where like this does this isn't literally true but it feels like it it, it is true that um science fiction is is like the first genre of 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 film and it's because of Milius I mean like the the experiment that leads to the um the voyage to the moon in 1902 which is itself very early for yeah. cinema um cinema 
obviously we weren't calling it that exact at that time yet, but he has an experiment, uh, the astronomer's dream or the man on the moon. And that is 1898. So like, it's again, it's not literally true. I, um, well, I think I, they did. I, I think they did call it cinema, Ryan, because the, the, okay. the apparatus was the cinematograph, right? So, okay. so I think that, I don't think it's wrong. I don't think it's a historical, I mean, even if people weren't using the term, they did call the apparatus that. So I, I think that that's... There we go. Yeah, I think, Thank it, you. I th- I think, that, I think that's good. Yeah. I like the support. Thank you for <laughs> supporting your buddy's take. So it's, again, if you wanted to look at, like, the development, you could, you could maybe say, like, um, in some very early, uh, exp- like, the first genre, people have done this with um, the Lumiere brothers, like, the first genre is documentary. That's kind of, like, how, how the, yeah. there's been this contemporary turn to looking at what um the lumiere brothers did with like you know a train arriving at the let's see it's at station like this is like and then the um what's the you know because all of their films were named after what was happening the workers <laughs> like leaving the factory filmed. the exactly. baby eating the, yes the, yes i don't know how this is weirdly translated my favorite one i mean it's everyone's favorite one it's the only one with the narrative but it's called Arrozer Arrozé, and it's about it's called the waterer being watered <laughs> so it's okay. remember the guy steps on the <laughs> yeah. hose and then the, lets the thing go and the guy's looking and i mean it's a classic thing that kids yes. do to their parents uh, <laughs> uh little rambunctious <laughs> tykes that do that i guess uh that's pretty good but, but uh, yeah, I think that that's. I think you're right that it's th- th- those actualities are thought of as precursors of documentary, and thus that's a genre. Sure. But I th- I kind of like your idea that science fiction is the first, the first, or certainly the first fictional genre yes. of cinema. It certainly and and it, push, and, it pushes the technology. Is 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 what my is is what I think, and it, like right, that's why. Right. Like it, it, it's it's not. Like what? Obviously, this is to cast utterly no aspersions on like what the Lumiere brothers did, but like the, uh, what, I mean, what what Meliès does because he was, if if people don't know this, he was a magician, and right. what he saw in film technology was uh, the uh, the capacity and the opportunity to trick people, but in a way that. I mean, like it really does uh, presage the like the core of uh, formalist film theory that like you could trick people into seeing something that they could not otherwise see. Right. So you, you, to see something greater, something more heightened, that like you could be brought into another world, and that this was this incredible opportunity with with cinema. Um, and so that like and and sci-fi like from the very beginning. I mean, like you know, just because we referenced Kubrick already, and then obviously we already already referenced Matrix. It, these are the films like um, I think uh, Fa- Phantom Menace and the Attack of the Clones are like two of the earliest uh, experimentations with digital like film. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, like so the, the sci fi picture is 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 frequently pushing the uh, technological uh, capacity of the of the medium itself. For sure. For sure. I mean, two th- right. Melius did that for sure in voyage to the moon and then i mean he's able to you're right that he's doing this editing magic like editing in his earlier films but in voyage to the moon it's clear he's able to for one thing it's the most complex narrative it's it's you know 20, yeah. 14 minutes long it's it's a very complex narrative uh the most complex at the time uh and it all but it also is it, it's not only editing things together but it's it's using visuals in a certain way to create the illusion that they're on that they've they've changed 
planets, right? Or they've left the planet yeah. to go to the mm-hmm. moon. And I think that, and when they're, I mean, there's certain things that, like they didn't know that you didn't, you would need some, there's no oxygen on the moon. So you would, so they, they're walking along <laughs> right, the surface right. of the moon as if they, they don't have any requirement for, for artificial oxygen. So that's, you know, that's a little dated and there's certain things like the, the, the rocket when it's coming back, it, they just push it off the edge of the moon and it, <laughs> right, it falls right, right, down right. back to earth. So there's, a, there's some things that you're like, well, that's not exactly believable, but it's, to be honest, it's not a, it's not, it's a, it's a pretty compelling narrative. Like there, there, yeah. there's an alien race and their, 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 their relationship to them is, what would you call Like, I think it's maybe even imperial, colonial. I mean, they're not trying to conquer yeah. the moon per no, se, no, but no. they do do a lot. Of, they kill a lot of people when they're there, or a yeah, lot of the aliens. Yeah. So it's true. I, yeah. It's no, it's fascinating. It's a very, I mean, I still think it's very teachable. In fact, if, if uh, people, if listeners haven't seen it, um, I, I'll send you a, I'll send you a link we, we can put in the, in the, yeah, it's widely available. You can just, it's the first thing. Available. If you put on YouTube video, it's the first thing that shows up. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. So it's, it's well, well worth watching if you haven't seen it. Um, or at least skipping through if you, if you pr- happen to find it too boring, but it's like a little, but it's really, the, the, there are interesting things. Like you can see him on the, like the precipice of moving from, so like a lot of early film, uh, experimentations were, like the camera is going to take the place of the audience watching a stage play. Right. So a, a lot of early, like, like film that, that attempted to do narrative, it was like everyone is flat, like they were on a stage. And Milius and is himself guilty of that, Ryan. I mean, he, 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 he's one of the main perpetrators of that, of that kind of thing. I think it's true. What the, where he's moving, except in I this think, film. Yeah, that's okay. except in this film. But he but he also does it in this film. But like yeah. where he's moving forward is he there's a there's a verticality to it where like he has people stacked like up so that there's like depth and right. like there's like depth of field and like in the like the early shots when they're trying to figure out how to get to the moon and, and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so then when you get to the moon, it's like not everything is, is happening as though people are like not moving obviously on a, on a, on a stage or there's, they're waiting to be, uh, active, uh, you know, like, like to, to do their lines or, you know, or, or, or something like that. So, um, it's, so it does, it pushes, like it pushes technology forward, especially through like, you know, through the editing and through, I mean, there's the very famous thing. If you haven't seen this, you've like basically have seen the rocket landing on the man of the moon, like in the, in the, in the eye of the, of the moon or like, you, you, like, I think you've just you've seen this maybe even in parody per, perhaps, but uh, so there those things uh, you know he's he's pushing forward and 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 playing with, but then there's also this like of course this link to this thing where what was the closest medium before film that people thought would kind of be like film and that was the the theater and and so there's you can see that influence in how to even like construct a frame like what what do you even put on frame like you can just you can still see that there being dominant. I think. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. And I think your the point about verticality, you can see in the, when they get to the moon too, right? Like, so you're right about that when they're planning the trip to the moon, there are these different layers of mm. the scene, vertical layers. And then when they get yeah. to the moon, they go beneath the surface, beneath yeah. the surface of the moon as part of their adventure on the moon. So I think that that's really 
it's you're you're real it's really true that he doesn't i mean there's not yet uh what would you say like a, a subjective shot of them coming yeah, to the moon right that, that, he yeah, doesn't have true. that everything is I, is flat in that sense but i think they're real and and they're the backgrounds are just are flat backgrounds there's no real yeah. and this is where uh, Melius is 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 I'm not say lesser, but less advanced than than the Lumiere brothers, who are narratively they, they're nothing. They're they're they don't they're not concerned with that. But they they are shooting. They're not shooting against stage backgrounds, right? So you're getting this mm-hmm. like, and that's what yeah. f- certain realist film theorists liked about them is that you get this you get things in the image that they don't necessarily control. Whereas Milius mm. pretty tightly controls everything that is in the image, even when he's including things that wouldn't be seen necessarily on a stage, right? So I think that's mm. a one way in which he's not as, everything is everything is scripted, let's say, in, in Voyage yeah. to the Moon. And I think in every Melius film that I've seen, I don't, I don't think there's one where you see things happening that he's not, that aren't occurring in front of a set, right? Like, whereas yeah. in the case of Lumiere Brothers, nothing happens in front of a set. So I think that's a key okay. difference. And I think you almost could make the divine, you could, I think to talk about science fiction, I think, and Milius, like the Lumiere brothers almost couldn't have invented it because they mm. were concerned yeah. with depicting what's really going on. And, and science fiction is always trying, it's, isn't it always about because it's about technology? I think it has. I think it has to be about technology, but mm-hmm. that also means it's about mediation and the layer of mediation that is in the that, that is in the way of our experience of reality. Which you don't. Mm. I mean, you can kind of get that from Lumiere Brothers, but you you really get that in in Melius. I think. Yeah. No. That's re- that's very very nice. I think that's totally that's 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 totally true. I mean, it's like. Uh, so is this, what do you, what do you think is the, um, what, what do you think is the fair sort of, uh, limit of the, uh, limit of the imagination here and then, and its influence cause uh, to, to sort of move us along. And now we're going to get into the films that, that like people have heard of and maybe have an, uh, some kind of attachment to. And, uh, we may, we will probably not talk about your favorite sci-fi film from this period. And we apologize for that. Sad. But we're going to try to cover yeah. it. Yeah. So, I, I'm sorry about that, but we, but we may get to some of them. Um, well, wait a minute, Ryan, before we leave uh, voyage to the moon and because it's okay. two days after Halloween, can I, can I mention the smashing pumpkins? <laughs> because <laughs> sorry, that was a stupid no. little, Halloween joke. Uh, but they, Smashing Pumpkins have a great, it's not a parody. It's a great uh, homage. Homage. Yeah, that's the right word. An homage to Voyage to the Moon in their, in the video, to the, which is a very good song, I think, Tonight, Tonight. And it, okay. it's another one you can just put on, put into YouTube and whatever and, and find it. But I, I really, I've often shown it to cl- classes and it really, it kind of captures the whole narrative that happens in, the Melius film, and yet it's only like a four-minute, three, four-minute music video. But it really, it, it, they they spent, a, they did a lot to to make it, and it's really, it's very good. I think. Oh, how dare they edit Melius? That that makes me that gives me melancholy and infinite sadness, Todd. So there we go. Anyway, uh, um, what do you think is the um, the influence looking forward? So the the we're trying to hit the like the most important like moments in yeah. in sci-fi and yeah. 
for 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 right here, it's it it is within film. It is it is it is Voyage to the Moon, and then the next one is also totally filmic, and this is Fritz Lang's Metropolis. It's just incredibly influential. And then the next most influential things are real world events. They're right. the dropping of the right. atomic bomb in 1945, and then Roswell in uh, 1947. But that's getting way ahead. We'll come back to that. So, what is the like? I, I guess this is this is the sort of my lead off question for us to talk about Metropolis. What do you see in Metropolis from Voyage to the Moon? That's that's my thing because it was. I'm trying to hook this back to the last thing that you said about Milliers that I really liked. That like, what is the like? What is like? What what is forward thinking that that you know that that Long like like takes if not directly, but like you can see and what Long does, and then what is it that he kind of obliterates and then kind of marks this line that like we don't we you don't go farther back than what what I've done here. If you yeah, yeah. No, I think it's really good, Ryan. That's a good question. And I think it's it's I think it's Long's investment in expressionism, right? Like his mm. and and nice. th- and that I think comes so like like uh Melius, there is not a single realist uh just a just a background that's not a set in mm-hmm. in metropolis right you never see somebody just yeah. like walking yeah. through a forest that's a real forest you can tell it's a forest yeah. that's been either painted or those trees have been assembled there for you know so there's no and and there there's a real the tint of the film is very evidently uh artificial right like there's no you know that you're watching a world that's that's uh been constructed and 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 structured, and I think that mm-hmm. idea of the the mediation of the world through the technology is is something that he gets direct. He directly takes that from Melius. Although I think you're right. I mean, there are people. I don't think they're even. I'm not sure that I would say they're wrong. That think that Metropolis is the greatest silent film, and that it's also mm-hmm. maybe the greatest science fiction film. So I think that the, you know there. I think there's some problems with it mainly with the ending mm-hmm. which we'll get to but i think that the, there's just so like the the look of it and the yeah. structure of it is just it's incredible and i think it's it's clear why so so goebbels and hitler saw metropolis and they're like we got to get this guy you know they th- mm-hmm. they thought it was an amazing and he famously this is not a joke by the, Todd is not setting up a joke by the way no this, this is, is not it this is real this yeah. is not a joke yeah <laughs> that would be a funny joke uh, Goebbels and Hitler saw Metropolis and then no no they really sounds, saw that's it. why it sounds it sounds like a setup but no it's it does, this yeah, is real, right. what, it what does, you're about to say it does it does there's no joke coming uh, yeah. it's a good setup for a joke but then you got to go like oh sorry it's actually True. No, it's, uh, it's for and, real. And then they, and then, and then he, and then they loved M too. And then he made uh, a testament of Doctor Mabuza, and they're mm-hmm. like, this film. They thought it was horrible, and and they, but they went to him, and they're like, we want you to be. It was Goebbels who went to him and said, we want you to be the our Nazi, Arlene Reifenstahl. My, I'm kidding because Lenny Reifenstahl really <laughs> became this person um, because Lung said no. So Long was like, but I'm Jewish, and and Goebbels said this. I, this is from Long, so I, I I think he did say this, but we were taking it on faith from Long. What's that? Yeah. So uh, Goebbels said back to him, "I decide who's Jewish." Yeah. And and Long yeah. said, "Okay, fine. Let me think about it." And then he claims 
this is disputed. He claims the very next day he bolted the country and left his wife, who was a convinced, a convinced Nazi, mm. uh, back in Germany. So it was a. She was also a co-writer of Metropolis, and he blames her for the mm-hmm. sort of pseudo-fascist element at the end. Yeah. Anyway. Well, yeah. that's convenient. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's an incredible story. Like long approach to be the official propaganda filmmaker of the Nazis. He himself is Jewish, and then is like you know we decide he's, we decide he's Jewish. Is it it's like it's an incredible incredible story? It's like um, uh, and it's an incredible line uh to like uh, you know about the about the whole thing and the, the the so yeah so there's the so that's like kind of the 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 split so you you see this if you if we take him at his word then the the elements that are that are longs in this and and i think this is um it does inspire something that i think is a part of sci-fi in this period that i i don't think we see as much of today um is that the to showing the effect of technology on the working class. Oh, and and I think that, I wonder where you were going with that. That's good. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, that's well, very nice. Like, well, yeah, like, and you can see, like, so we're going to talk about the thing from another world later, but like the the military in that film, it's not really like the military. It really is more like the working class versus the scientists, and like that. That's um, especially since they're they're cut off from the the military early in that movie. Like, so they're like, it turns out they're not even really following orders. They're just like, they're trying to get by. They don't really even have like technology, like to defend themselves at a certain point, like from the, from the, the thing. So, um, there, there is this, I think there's this thread. I mean, maybe, maybe this is, maybe this is Kubrick's influence that this, that this kind of ends. And I'm sure we can find exceptions, of course. That'll be uh, terrible. Such as, (laughs) <laughs> no but i i was just thinking you know the do you know the i i happen to like this film do you know the um and i was gonna make i was gonna make a joke about this um b- by confusing this for uh fantastic voyage but i'm not gonna do it because i want to make it a part of a, like a more serious point but do you know the 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 dennis quaid martin short vehicle i like it uh inner space of course i know okay that. awesome yeah. Yeah. Great. So that's that. There's clear working class implications, yeah. right? In, in yeah. that in that film, um, and I think maybe you could. I I don't know. There's like there's maybe like a way you could read that in, in Matrix, but it's kind of. But I, I think it's I don't know. It, it's more like a like a they're like a band of rebels who are struggling under an oppressive. Oh. You know what I mean? I mean, so Matrix I I is about world revolution but you're right that yeah. it's not it's not necessarily a proletarian revolution right it's that's not what you're workers. getting at right uh, certain, that's what i'm yeah. saying like and that's what you can see in metropolis like this is cl- it's clearly about workers like they're like the like the scenes that are i think so famous for this and like and the images and and the like the aesthetic of it that does get like reproduced in other sci-fi like i mean we're gonna talk about forbidden planet like for it's like everywhere over forbidden planet and that film comes out what is that like 20 something years later yeah uh, yeah yeah you know yeah. so like it's that's 30 still, years yeah. later 30, 30 years, years later, later. Yeah. yeah yeah 30 years later so um yeah and so it's it's the the yeah just the scene scenes of people working like laboring really laboring um, right you know right. and that i think gradually like there there's certainly like we we get a lot of the we get a lot of the like the the techno dystopia i think now but i don't know that like like the laboring and the working like it's at it's 
zenith, perhaps, when it's like first introduced in Metropolis, and then like I don't know, like like every decade, like kind of like chips away a little bit. I that. think but you're I right. Think, like yeah, it's hard to think of a '70s film, like '70s or post that that has this working class stress. Although you can think of it in the '60s, right? Like I think there are mm. ones in the '60s. I mean, <laughs> but. Like Planet of the Apes would be one, although they're not. Yeah. Like, no, there are. I mean, there are humans laboring, right, for the yeah. apes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I maybe no, that, and then some of these other Heston dystopian ones. Like I'm trying to remember, is Omega Man? Does it have? I guess not. He's the only person left alive. But like yeah. Soylent Green, does that have? Maybe not, because it's not the. There's that. That's interesting because that 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 kind of fits and then also points toward where we're at now because well, there's the yeah go ahead. there's the clear divide right like visually in society like the 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 upper classes literally live above the slums below right and yeah. you can see this like kind of like smoggy underworld but like in terms of like actually like like people working you don't see no. it. and and no. the film I think is 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 decisive for your thesis is Logan's Run right because oh nice it's yeah, about yeah. a really oppressive society but the way they get nobody really has to work because they kill off everyone over 30 so yeah there's no like i think the conceit of the film is if you kill off people when they turn 30 we really don't need to labor that much because <laughs> most of our labor is the young people you know serving the old i think that's the you know, the conceit of time. i'm not saying that's not my idea but i think that's the conceit of the secret conceit of the film I think you're right, and that, this is why Bob Dylan said not to trust anyone over thirty because that's it means right. they escaped. Yeah, no, that's that's, that's, that's of course not. Right. Um, no, but I think you're right. Like, the, um, yeah, that's it, that's really interesting. Like yeah. Logan's Run being the, I mean, what year? What year is that? That's seventy seventy four or something. Yeah, four? something. Yeah, so it's a, a, a little bit. It's out of the uh, out of the historical limits I placed on this in the beginning. You son of a bitch! But Sorry. like the no, <laughs> no, it's good. The, the um, we talked we talked about Matrix like a second. Yeah, we did. I, I I I'm it's, just it's, violating your rules left and right. No, it's totally it's totally <laughs> fine. Well, we're sa- we're saving it for another episode to go into this more. But I think it's a good point to talk to talk about this now. I think you're right about like Logan's Run and like what it imagines. There's kind of like the 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 uh, like that nice. There's always the like the the twist on the on the on the on the utopia right the utopian idea what what pushes us toward dystopia is that like to support the lavish or conflict-free lifestyle of the many there has to be someone who someone or some group who is suffering right. immeasurably for it right, right. like in the, the um you know shirley jackson's the lottery or like the um is that is that ursula k Le Guin, the ones who walk away from omelas is that no, I don't know that one. I don't know. Okay, well, um, I'm not sure I've got the author right on that one. But anyway, but there's all, but that's you, you know, you, that's also in in the sci-fi literature as well. But it is, it's here too. And I, I like this this tie that you've made that like the way the way that we can make sure no one has to work is that like basically we don't have to worry about social security. And the only way to not worry about social security is is actually to like to to cut this off at thirty. Yeah, like, and kill them off, man. And that's I kill them off. Yeah. It's um yeah no that's intriguing so I think so then isn't the process Logan's called run, renewal I think it's called renewal you go through renewal, renewal. that's when they, okay. they like they kill that's, them that, that, yeah. they they think it's renewal and then finally a couple of people are like it doesn't seem like renewal actually 
<laughs> well, it's like is is because in that I guess this would be the thing. I don't want to get too 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 far away from the yeah. yeah the the thing, but but I think it's imp- it's important to 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 hook this back to um to Metropolis because you do have the like this like the seeds of what I think Logan's run will conclude are maybe in Metropolis, um, which is that like the work workers and i mean maybe this is like a standard marxist point but like workers and like laboring is actually is threatening yeah. to the to the to the upper classes and so then like what with logan's run is that like it's actually so threatening that it can't be a part of the world they just get and it and out of even, there. right yeah and then i think uh, but i don't the only don't job know, is being a cop the only yeah, job is being point. it's called they're called yeah. sandmen but that's the only job yeah. it's the only job yeah so it is that it's is interesting. interesting isn't it that that the threat of they deal with the threat of the working class by leaving it out and long yeah. shows it. I mean, that's one of the great things about that film is it's a real film about class conflict and it's shown visually, right? Like the, yes. you yes. talked about the verticality in Amelius, but I mean, that's another way where long is indebted to him because you get this real sense of above and below and the two different yeah. kinds of life. And they even have to go in a kind of elevator to go down to where they labor. And mm-hmm. it's real, you get real sense of the claustrophobia of the conditions under which they labor. And so that's real, that all that is to the good, I think. And then mm-hmm. the problem with the film is that in the ending is the son of the, the factory owner ends up so, so the idea they they keep coming back to this conflict between the is it between the the hands and the 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 hands and the head or the heart and the head? I can't yeah. remember what it is, but yeah, no, no. Yeah. But then and then but then he becomes this. He's I think they even call him this. I don't know what the German is, but the, he's the mediator between mm. the working class and the and the ruling class, which is thought of as the brains, which is of course ridiculous. Uh, (laughs) but, but I think that that's, that, that's the, that's the fascistic element because you can see in this, in Long, the hero of Long's film, a kind of prototype for the fascist leader that reckons that, that creates a whole in W-H-O-L-E, like a whole of society, Mm -hmm. right? Like turns the, the class antagonism into a sense of a harmonious whole. And that's the... That's the that's the problem is that and the way the film ends it ends with that that move. Mm. No man, that's re- that's really really nice. Uh, the you, you, I, I'm quite taken with this point. I and I, I know that um, <laughs> I know that that more more than most episodes we're um, we're playing a, a game of ping pong so you can save your voice. But I do kind of want to go back to you on this. Okay. Um. Do because I think part of what I do think that part of what and the class concern in the, the genre are is maybe well there may be one one thing within cinema and then i think it is the uh like kind of the double whammy of the atomic bomb and then roswell sort of outside but i do think uh if we're moving along historically the next major period and this is going to have to require a bit of an argument from us is in the uh the 30s the late late twenties and into the thirties where you start getting the, the monster films, which are, if you look at them on some streaming services, like, uh, Frankenstein is labeled a sci-fi film, right. uh, visible man labeled sci-fi film. Uh, now I think like colloquially these are referred to as like the universal monster pictures. So anyway, 
we'll get into to that whole thing a little bit. Like why I, th- I think it's our, it's, I'll just say right now, it's our position that those are in uh, horror, not in sci-fi, but we'll justify that in a second. Why do you think, um, going back to the, to, to the last thing that you said, yeah. why do you think, why do you think that, um, that, that element, like just, it, like it, it just ev- evaporates like from 22 to, as I'm saying, like 45, like we don't have this, like, I love this, like the, like the hole in the hole of the, you know, uh, in, in, in the, like the, just kind of obliterating the, like the, like the connect, the connection of the, the working class had together, like, like through, like exploring that either aesthetically or narratively in, in sci-fi, like what, like, well, I don't know what happens. Yeah, what happens? I don't. That's a good question. I mean, I think part of it is Metropolis lost a lot of money. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm, nice. I'm, I'm barely kidding. Like it's, a, it's, a, it was very costly to make, and I think that's always a barrier. We haven't mentioned that yet, but that's. I think that's always a barrier to science fiction. And yeah. when you're making films that cost a lot of money, I think that there's a, there's a tendency to make, and I think there's a kind of. I don't know, almost an uh, radical edge just to science fiction itself because of its what it's focusing on. But then mm. I think there's a there's a push by the people putting up the money to to turn that in a more conformist direction. I get that's that's one idea, but I don't mm. I, I I don't really have another good idea except that I th- I think that the I don't know. I was going to say like the World War One. But Metropolis is in the aftermath of World War One itself, yeah. and 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 yeah. there, you would think in the '30s there's a whole, there's a real, the, the because of the depression, but not just because of that. There's a the worldwide workers' movement is pretty obviously not in Germany there it's stifled, but mm-hmm. around the world in the United States there was a really really powerful workers' movement, and the, and and throughout other parts of the world as well. So it is interesting that that didn't manifest itself in science fiction cinema, right? At the time, it really didn't. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think you're right. Well, I mean, you're, you're, I mean, that's just, just historical I'm just, a, that's just an empirical fact, right? That's yeah, just yeah. an empirical fact. Yeah. The, the thing, I think, I think, um, what I, as we were talking this out, I think that it's almost, I think that this, this would be my, my argument or my, my supposition, I suppose, is that I think that the, <laughs> like Long's visuals were too good. And that was the thing that people took from the film. Yeah. And, and I mean, like I, I'm being glib when I say that, but like the aesthetic influence, it's, it's, it is hard to, uh, to, what, what would it do? I always get this wrong. Is it hard to overrate or is it hard to underrate? I'm trying to, it's hard to overrate. I think that's the hard thing. to over. It's hard yeah, to okay. overrate it. I think you're right because yeah. he really, <clears throat> it's interesting. So your point is that the aesthetic influence is so vast that the narrative influence is is hampered because of that. Yes. And thus the thematic emphasis yeah. on the working class. Yeah. 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 I think that's probably, because that's a really good idea. Really so good the, idea. like you said this earlier, like the, um, the, the influence of um, what you would have said, if you were a German, you would have called it expressionism. If you were anywhere else, you'd have called it German expressionism. So the, this, like this idea of like, the um this idea of, of of and I do also think this is like a like a moving forward uh, from from Milies because you said this uh, about there not being 
subjective shots yet in in Milieus. Like we're, we're we're looking at like a lot of like. But there are in Metropolis. Object- yeah. But there are in Metropolis. Yeah. Arguably, the only subjective shot in Milias is when the moon gets the, uh, you know, the thing in its eye, gets right. the, the spaceship right. in its eye. Right. But right. that's not. But that's not. That doesn't mean the same thing. And so, what German German expressionism is like a, uh, as an art movement in cinema, and like the uh, cabinet, Dr. Caligari is often brought up as like, you know, one of the, yeah. the apogees of this, uh, yeah. of this thing is how to sh- how the how someone's interiority becomes the exteriority, right. and it's not like. And like, and that is like that is the world of the film is how yeah. the the interior becomes the exterior, um, and I, I I think that like, yeah, that's I think that that's my that's that's what I think people took. Because I think that was what was so exciting, and I and I think that this maybe often happens in in sci fi where it is the it is the look, you know, it is the it is the the the, the visual. It is something. It's really funny. It, it's like it's this nice thing where like it is something. Um, something formal formally aesthetic but not narratively formal if you understand yeah. what i mean no like that, i think that's yeah not, yeah that really carried with it yeah i think that's a key yeah. thing i think a lot of times like matrix to come back to that one or even 2001 right like the sure did the narrative of 2001 shape cinema not so much i don't think but yeah. but yeah, the yeah. formal the aesthetic of it really i had an impact on cinema so mm. I think that's, I think that's the history of science fiction film. I mean, the other thing is there that, that and and this relates to the cost aspect. I think that that mm-hmm. that when they're made cheaply, they're B films. They they were B yeah. films. So yeah. you either spend a lot of money to make a a, a high quality film that was going to have to be more mainstream. Right, like more mm-hmm. conform. I mean, this when we talked about film noir. Why did we say film noir was able to be more radical? Because precisely because it didn't cost anything to make. Right, yeah. so yeah, they, yeah. there weren't all these people weren't over your shoulder all the time going, "Wait a minute, you can't have this the radical critique <laughs> yeah. of the city because that no one cared." And yeah. and I, but yeah. I think science fiction, the the films that no one cares about are just. They're they're not like film noir, right? Like they're they're mm-hmm. the the production. You can't do science fiction on the cheap and make it anything like believable, and then and then every then it becomes just pulp and parody, right? Like it's just. Yeah. I I think that that so much of and and it's fine, but it, but it, it, I don't think a film that's just that looks like it's just pulp can have a radical edge to it. Right, like I like yeah. film noir looks like it's like those films. They look like they're serious films, even though they're made very. Even Detour, which was made for what for seventy thousand dollars or less, yeah, uh, yeah, or less or whatever, yeah. whatever it yeah. was. But uh, uh, it looks like a real, looks like a serious film, and I think that yeah. that's the that's what the science fiction made on the cheap cannot. It never looks like that, and that's what. What was great about 2001 was it was a radical science fiction film that was made for a lot of money, right? And yeah. I think that that, yeah. that that was not... Those two things rarely, rarely happened after Metropolis. I think that's the point that you're getting at with this thing about the proletariat, which I think is yeah. a great observation. I never thought of that before. Well, it's well, it's interesting, too. So we're going to... like there, there's, There is a... Um, I didn't have to I, I have to confess i didn't end up watching this for our thing so i can't speak to it but like in it is 
it's true. There was something that happens in the late twenties and in the thirties, uh, in American cinema, before we get to the influence of the atomic bomb and Roswell and, uh, the film, the film that I was not able to watch, that is like sort of in this period that is widely regarded as being very important, is uh, Things to Come. I know about it. I don't. Have you ever seen it? I've never seen it. No, Things no, never seen it. Never seen it. Okay, yeah. so uh, terribly sorry to anyone who for whom that is their favorite sci-fi film, um, but we're not going to be able to talk about it. So, as far as the if the feature is concerned, during this period where uh, sci-fi influence in American cinema becomes, I, I think, most strongly felt in serial film. And there, there are a couple lost serials that were like allegedly pretty important. Uh, so one was in 1920 and the other in 1925. And this is like the invisible Ray, which has a great description you can find on Wikipedia <laughs> and then the power of God, another thing. So these are, these are really interesting, um, experiments. The, there's also this, uh, going back like, like earlier, um, there's this film called homunculus, right? This is 19, wow. it was, it was released. This is a German film. Is, and is released uh, serially from 1916 to 1917, so June to January. It's one of the most successful German films that was made uh, in, like, this was during World War One. So it was a six-part serial. And get this, Fritz Lang was the uh, assistant director oh, to wow. this film. So cool. it's, he kind of, it's, yeah. So there's a, um, there's actually, and then there's... Uh, because you can't watch this, so I'm I've now summarized like I've now I'm summarizing the Wikipedia page for everybody. The um there's a 76 minute version of this and it exists in the uh, George Eastman Museum, uh, archives. Uh, but the full thing doesn't. We don't. We just don't have it. Um, but this was like, it. How we can see the influence of this is from, uh, Metropolis, which we just spent a lot a lot of time talking about. Um, then into the 30s, you get the first sound serial. Um, the fa- the first uh, simultaneous sound film. This is a nineteen. It's twenty seven, right? The jazz singer. Yeah, jazz singer. Yeah. Okay, so then serial film gets the gets uh, simultaneous sound technology uh, for a film called The Voice from the Sky, which uh, is I think in the process of being restored. We don't really have it, um, but it it uh we or at least I I, wa- I tried watching this on YouTube and all that there was was audio. Yeah. Um, from it so it's not so a great viewing then, experience not a great viewing yeah. experience i will yeah. say but then speaking of good viewing experiences you get this is in the in the mid-30s you get some high quality stuff you get flash gordon flash 1936 gordon. Right. right incredible you get the spider's web this which is arguably also a superhero film but it's sci-fi yeah. as well that's 1938 um, a little bit earlier, Phantom Empire, which, and I'm doing this quickly because people have mostly no reference for this and you haven't seen it. So we're yeah. just kind of blitzing through this. Yeah. Again, I'm sorry to anyone for whom serial film in the 30s is their favorite thing. I'm really sorry. Um, but I am talking about it. So 35, Phantom Empire. This is really interesting. stars Gene Autry. Well worth watching. You can the the influence, even if you just watch it a little bit, the influence of Metropolis is here. And um, there's this, because um, there's this, this underworld empire uh, called Murania, or like the people are called the Mu, uh, or Mu, um, and it, it's because they they want you to know that this is going to happen in the in the film, because so, they show it to you before the serial film even starts. It's like it's really really funny. So it, there's no like um, there's no patience because they don't they well, they they want people to keep watching this thing or to come back to the theater to watch the next installment. So they tell you right in the beginning, here are shots. 
of Mirania, which is the underworld empire. So before you even see the characters or, or anyone or whatever, you see this underworld empire and like the, it's, you know, it's these like kind of like drawn backgrounds, very German expressionistic. It looks just like Metropolis. The influence is clear. Fun, cool thing about this uh, film is that it begins with Gene Autry and a bunch of cowboys, uh, ranchers doing a radio serial. So, Radio serials were also were huge. I mean, like we'll uh, we can we'll talk about uh, War of the Worlds at some point, which was a um, rele- uh, written serially. Um, yeah. The most famous iteration was not um, that we will get to. Uh, but so the the sci fi serial was huge on the radio, uh, and what is it's kind of a nice little like intermedial, if you like, uh, commentary here is this this serial film phantom empire beginning with these characters doing a radio show. And so it's sort of like, um, aliens versus you know, cowboys. Yeah, exactly. It is <laughs> aliens versus cowboys. And then you have the, and you have the, this, like this meta textual thing of the two of the mediums commenting on each other, you know, so yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. So that's how, so this is what happens in the thirties, um, in, uh, in sci-fi. But the bigger thing is the monster pictures. The universal yeah. monster fix, you know. So why why aren't we talking about them, Todd? Why are they not included? Well, I think because little, they don't really... Fair, uh, Frankenstein's somewhat exceptionalist, but they're not really about the technological. That's what I would say. Like, they're, they're about more, and I think this is what defines horror as a genre. It's about the struggle, the antagonism between life and death. And mm. there's just no... The, the the question of technology, like an invisible man, which I think is the masterpiece of the of the genre, there's no he's just invisible, right? Like there's no yeah. it's not, there's no technological <laughs> thing that makes him invisible. Wolfman just turns into a wolfman. There's no like, oh, what is this? Did he was he get in some machine? And this is why fly, right. I think, is a yeah. is why it could yeah. go either way, right? Because it actually sure. is a machine. That mm-hmm. turns the, him into a fly. So I, that's what I would say. That would be my pat. Okay. Answer. Interesting. I I have the fly fifty eight as a um, as sci fi. Yeah. But sure. clearly the clearly the Cronenberg is horror. Right. Like that's just like right. you know, um, right. th- which is I think more widely known and widely seen. The yeah. starring Jeff Goldblum. That I I like that movie a lot. Yeah. Um, and I, so for me, this is like it's kind of like a dead simple point is that I think. Even with, I, I my my thing like what what separates in this period like the because the, they are intertwined I think the sure. horror and sci-fi and, and they sure. often and they often are you made this point to me I'm not gonna steal it from you that um, sci-fi is more entwined with horror than horror is with sci-fi right. so like right. you you know you can there are certainly horror elements in uh, 2001 a space odyssey and of course there are in Alien. But you know, there's not sci-fi elements in It Follows. And Carrie's not a sci-fi li- film, right? Carrie's just Carrie's not a sci-fi. Not a sci-fi. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, a shout out again, Joseph Eisenberg, the Carrie guy. Uh, <laughs> great listener. Um, so no, that's a good point. Like the, the, it's not in, it's not they're not entwined uh, in 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 the same way. And I think it goes back to where the you know the 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 history of of the, of the horror and cinema. Um, I mean, there, again, like to talk about German cinema even more, there is this, uh, the, the, I think the golem, I think is the name of it is, is regarded as like the first sci-fi 
film. Uh, sorry, sci-fi film. I, I just slipped. It's the first horror film. And it's because it stars a monster. And, like, this is kind of what defines the the horror film for this era is that, like, it's the, the monster picture. And right. that's kind of, like, my... It's, it's, like, sort of dead simplistic thing is that, like, is the monster the center of the picture? And I think that in the, for this period... That makes begins it a horror yeah, that makes it a horror film. I mean, and and that's I'm and I'm just being like historical about it. That's not even really yeah. an argument. That's like that's what that that is the uh, it was if was there a monster in the movie? Then it was horror. Like that was that is what gotcha. how how these movies were made. Gotcha. Um, and I think even with something like the thing from another world, which I know you and I are anxious to talk about, the monster is not at the center of that movie. Uh, it, it's it's like it's certainly the the antagonism of it, but there's, it's really more the antagonism between the, the working class grunts and the scientist because the, they're trying, the scientist wants to study the monster and the, it, you know, this is the classic thing that influences, it's such an influential film. It, this is, and this influences alien that like the scientist is working against everybody else to protect themselves from this threat. So that is actually like the stronger existential, uh, threat than really the monster itself. Right. Um, and I think in the horror film that, you know, sometimes you do get the, of course you get this, like, uh, like the great thing in, um, uh, in night of the living dead is that like, you think you understand the, uh, the externality of the antagonism. And then there are people under the stairs, you know, who, who emerge to like, to complicate things for the people who you think are the only protagonists in the movie. Uh, which we'll talk about at length when we talk about the horror film uh, and some other episode. Um, but that's, that's kind of, I think that would be, be my, my, my distinction. And I, I think it, it just about holds that it's, it's more for sci-fi. If there is something that you could articulate as a monster, it functions better as antagonism as a concept than whereas for the horror, there is something about like, there is some, even in Frankenstein, which it does kind of blur the line here, or at least it, it, it splits these two different branching paths. Frankenstein's monster is like, like is, is important. Like, like as a, as a thing it's in, in, in and of itself, of course. So that would be my, that would be my thing. I, I think that like, um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just looking at the list of films I have here. I think like fantastic voyage, invasion of the body snatchers, them planet of the apes, Think for Another World, Voyage to the Moon, Time Machine, Day the Earth was Still, War of the Worlds, Day of the Triffids, The Fly, Came from Outer Space, Things to Come, Alphaville, Plan Plan 9 from Outer Space. Yeah. I mean, Solaris, that's in 72, Metropolis, THX 1138. Uh, and I've got a mad Zardoz shout from 1974, Forbidden Planet, of course. Like, I, I, I don't know. In that list, is there any like there like is there a monster where as no. this, uh, yeah. is both central centrally no. antagonistic and also is kind of what the picture is about like is the main thing about the movie? I just don't think there is. So that's my that would be my my separation. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, totally. I mean, I don't. S- yeah, I think that right. Like a a, a sci fi film. Like it's again, I, I think just what I said before, and I think it's tied to what you're saying, like that the, the focus on the technological problem. And I think even, so mm-hmm. like we can talk about thing from another world because mm. that's the one that I, I, I hope people have seen it because, mm. or maybe they'll use this occasion to see it, uh, from 1950, yeah. uh, is it 51 or 50? I think it's, 50. I got, I got 51 on this. 51. On this okay. You're right. Here. 
And it's uh, the boss of me. All right, okay, I was right. Good. Yeah, you were right. Uh, but it, it's it's it's. I think it's like, like you said about Fly. I think it's outstripped in fame by the 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 remake yeah. of it. The yeah. the John Carpenter. Which remake, makes it a which, horror film. Which which is definitely a horror film and not a science fiction film. Uh, but I kind of prefer the I I think it's maybe it's unfair to call it a Howard Hawks film because the other direct <laughs> yeah. the guy that officially directed it, Christian Nibby, I think is his, how you say yeah. his name. Yep. Uh, right. He's like, why does everyone assume just because Hawks was hanging around that he he was the one who directed it? So he was a little <laughs> he took a umbrage at that character, and, and, and I think because people thought it was pretty good and. And Hawks' films are usually pretty good. I don't know what the why people felt that way, but uh, I think it's I think it, to me it's a little bit better than the later one because it, and I think it's tied to this the what you said about the the working class, right? Like I think there's mm-hmm. much more of a sense of like the Carpenter film is just more of it's just more about how can we create a sense of horror in the spectator, right? But right, but, and and yeah. and and it's about uh, how does a community form trying to ward off this horror? But mm-hmm. and and then people get people that get thought to be embodying it are excellent, right? Like that's a whole problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, but I think in this, like in the in the 1951 thing, it's it's there's much more of a sense of of like a class identity to to the yeah. figures in the film, don't you think? I think that that's really absolutely. A, well, it separates them clear, like clearly from the scientists who like, and, and it's, it's also like the, um, there's this, this, uh, this thing of like the, there's like a street, street smarts versus book smarts kind of thing yeah. happening in yeah. this. And, and, and I, and I think that's like a, that is a, that's a classic, like, you know, uh, cinematic, uh, like divide right between like the, like the upper class and the ruling class like there's the there's this like gulf in in education or like the the i mean th- this is like i mean one of the great lines in this movie is, is uh, i'm forgetting the name of the scientist but he like he starts rattling off um the achievements of uh of scientists and how they've improved life for everybody and one of the things that he says is split splitting the atom and there's a guy one of the grunts behind him who i don't even remember his name in, yeah. also in the movie uh who just says like oh yeah and that made everybody really happy and so yeah. this is like this yeah. is four I think years after the name of that scientist character uh, oh, oh yeah. great okay yes yeah. that's right that's right so this is four years after the dropping of the atomic bomb oh no sorry that's four years six after years Roswell. Yeah. this is six years after the dropping of the atomic bomb and i just think what a take! What a take that made everybody really happy. Like yeah. th- this, like sarcastic yeah. thing. I just thought. I think I said this to you. This the, the the thing from another world says in one second what it takes Oppenheimer three hours not to say. Like so, I just like it's a very. Um, so I think that's that. I think that's pretty strong. Yeah. Um, from the yeah. movie and it, it because it's like and it shows this clear class divide in te- technological development, yeah. which is like yeah, it's good for you. The scientists, yeah. like you, learn more. Or is it even? You, I mean, isn't yeah. isn't it isn't it like the working class has a sense of these scientists are driven by something that isn't even good for them, right? Like, yeah, no, like, that's pretty good. You know, like they're 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 willing Forbidden to. Planet certainly does that. Certainly it? does that. Not to jump. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think that there's a sense of like they're driven by something that they're. I mean, it's it, what's interesting is 
there's a linkage, right, of the scientific drive for knowledge about the alien to, and, and utilizing the alien, right, mm-hmm. to, to the capital, the drive of capital. And I think that, mm-hmm. I mean, the relationship between those two things is, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of theorizing about what is the relationship, right? But I think yeah. that between those two drives, and I think that that, I think this film is, is, is it, it's focused on the, the scientists as the problem, but I think that behind them is, is capital. And, and, and even though that's not maybe so much mentioned, but just because we get mm-hmm. this class conflict, I think that it, it, you were forced to think about that. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it, it does foreground, like, who uh, who has to suffer for the scientists to make the advancement? Right. I think that's, right. that, that's right. one. That's the most immediate. And then this thing that you're saying, I think, is is also like, don't the people who have to suffer for it actually have a line on seeing what's really going on that what's the going scientist on. Right. Is, 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 uh, has occluded for themselves? So Yeah, uh, yeah. Th- I mean, yeah. it's a fascinating film because you would expect it to be the military that's the that's the that wants to like harness this thing but but yeah it's a the good military point. guys don't i mean it's so todd i'm sorry to interrupt this is a great point this is what's different i think in this period and i i don't I don't know when this starts to happen because Alien is the same way. I, it's or, well, no, I think Alien's, Alien's split, different. I was just going to say that yeah. isn't Alien yeah. different because isn't Alien, isn't it yeah. the the scientists are are innocent and just want to, but it's the yeah. it's this corporate military uh, yeah. apparatus that wants to use the alien as a yeah. weapon. Yeah, so no, I think there's point. something that's changes yeah. between this film and Alien, and it's a fascinating yeah. kind of fascinating shift, no. right? No, it's it's so good, right? Yeah, no, no, no. I think that's I think that's really important. Is it because um, this it film? Vietnam, Todd? Maybe it's Vietnam, right? Maybe it's Vietnam, yeah. and you can't trust the military. Uh, yeah, yeah. Although the guy, the film is anti-atomic bomb, and certainly the military dropped the atomic bomb, but right. the scientists developed it. So yeah, maybe. Yeah. I, don't, I, I don't. I don't. I, it's a uh, it's a complex film and it's just, maybe you're right. I like the idea that it's Vietnam probably as this thing that makes, but, but isn't there this, this more merging tr- of corporate and military power? Cause it's yeah, not, cause maybe, that's but not, it, that's not in thing from another world. That no, it's idea. not anything. From another world. And the other thing that, that ha- has to happen for that to, to transpire is that, okay, there has to be a loss of faith in the military, but there also has to be an increase of faith in the scientists. Alien yes. yeah. believes in the scientist in a way that yeah. this film yeah, just true. absolutely does not. Absolutely, no, suspicion does of him not. from the from the very beginning, and he's right. haughty and like he doesn't have time for anybody. Like, right. like he's just yeah. he's a dick to everybody. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So that's pretty uh, cool. And then I think to move to our next one, I think the the I I think to, for me from the classical era th- thing from another world is the is the is the masterpiece. Like it's, I, I, yeah. I love it, but, but forbidden planet is obviously the more, it's the most known, I think film from pre the pre space odyssey era. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think, I, and I can see why people love it. I don't know. I'm not sure if I do, but I don't know. Tell me, make me the argument <laughs> for why it's so um, good. 
Okay, so I'm not. Well, do I think it's so great? Whatever, I'll adopt the position. It'll be no, no, you don't have to. So, tell me, tell me why it's no, not. No, no, because I would. I oh, would, okay. I just I'm going to hear I your think, take. I guess is my yeah, my, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. I got gotcha. you. So, um, one of the things. So, just to to tie back to the Roswell thing, it's yeah. um something that's that's pretty great about so the thing from another world's based on a short story um called Who Goes There, and I think it's uh, John Campbell as okay. the as the as the the author in. In the, and I think it's written in 38. So you can see this difference from 38 to 51 in the film when the uh, characters discover this, uh, something that crash landed in the, in the Arctic, it, it is named a flying saucer, which was not a phrase until Roswell. It's just like, that was just not a phrase until 1947. So that phrase, not in this short story, wow. is in the film. Yes. And, um, the, the flying saucer thing is also present in, uh, in, uh, forbidden planet, except it's the humans who are, they're in the flying, in saucer. the flying saucer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the, it's so that there's this kind of, so like in, in the, th- in the thing from another world, uh, like they're having this conversation, like we find, like we, like, we, like I forget the line, like either we finally caught one or we, or we really got one or something like that. Like it's this, like this total, total acceptance of, uh, of, uh, like extraterrestrial visitors. And then there is a thing I want to tie between, um, the thing from another world that is super interesting with, um, invasion of the body snatchers. Um, uh, and well, I'll just, I'll just say it now. So I don't forget. It's that, yeah. The the enemy is vegetable. Oh, it's not, you, like that's in both of those films. That's pretty great, isn't pretty it? Pretty great. great? Like yeah. so, and I think the way, and in case you don't know, um, like, uh, you should everybody should see a thing from another world. And in the nineteen fifty six uh, version of the Body Snatchers, the people are like reproduced or or. Uh, cloned if you like from these vegetable pods that just like end up in like yeah. people's greenhouses like they're being like put there by a, by they're being it's 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 kind of a, an interesting tautology because like they're being put there by the people for whom are the clones of the people they're replacing so it's like don't think too hard about it is right. is what right. i would say but um in the thing from another world the uh the 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 creature the thing is um is discovered by the scientists not to be like not to be man or animal but to be or mineral but to be vegetable yeah and that they because they cut its limbs off and it just they it just regrows right and so it, it's this like it's it, so that like like this really really nice like they have to burn it right they have to burn it right right which is carried over into the uh, carpenter film uh, very famously um it is it's also true visually. of of uh, invasion of the vice centers so that's it's interesting also true yeah, yeah. you have to, right yeah it has to it has to be burned right like so you go back to these like original principles of like a yeah. fire and and like mm-hmm. I, what i like about the like the vegetable I think I think it's easy to like be I don't know snarky or or, or think that like oh did people really think vegetables were terrifying yeah. in the 1950s yeah. but it's really more that like it's both organic and alien at the same time. Right. And I think that's a really, right. really cool idea. Yeah, it's nice. Um, so Forbidden Planet, uh, I think I said this to you, there is not a film in the classic Hollywood period that makes more use of psychoanalytic language, apart from Spellbound, yeah. which is actually an analyst as the, one of the main characters. Yeah. Um, but then this film. 
And this, uh, this is a, a for better nice, or worse, for better or worse. I think it's a nice <laughs> example visually of like what, what specifically Lacan is getting at with desire. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I, and I think that's true. And also, uh, there's hot Leslie Nielsen, wh- that's which true. is a, a, which is a, a historical oddity, I think, cause he's yeah. mostly known from the naked gun movies. Yeah. Um, and he also, this is another sci-fi thing. This is a deep cut, Todd. I don't know if you noticed this. He almost says sabotaged. Nielsen does. Really? Instead no, of sabotage, he that. almost says, for, for listeners who don't know, this is the famous, <laughs> this, this is from, um, this is from Star Trek, the original series. This is, there's a Shatner clip. It's from, um, it's from one of the bottle episodes. I think we talked about actually in the, in the bottle episode episode oh. that we did, but Shatner, I'll, maybe I'll try to give you this link. It's just so funny. The, he keeps saying, why did you sabotage our ship? <laughs> Oh, yeah. And the the, the, the director, yeah. the, I don't know who it was, says, uh, Bill, yeah, the line is, uh, it's sabotage. He just goes, you say sabotage. I say sabotage. It's so, <laughs> it's so fucking good. I think it's um, wink of an eye. I think it's wink, it's of, wink an of an eye. eye. You're exactly yeah, right. And yeah. then I think as if to make it clear that the show knows how to say the word, they, they have the, um, the, like the woman, uh, he's opposite from and that, like, uh, from the people who are, moving too fast they move in the wink of an eye they have she says immediately i sabotaged your ship like she says it like a normal person oh right like, right yeah right. it's that's it's a really that's a good little it's a good little <laughs> anecdote I like that. good little thing so anyway um you have this so forbidden planet continues this uh this influence of um metropolis and uh i think the uh i think some of the things that are really really great about it are uh the soundtrack is there's uh it's like there's this thing to the idea there there i'm uh you know what because we prepped to do this episode a long time ago and i watched this a lot like like months ago and i've forgotten this thing it's but you watched it recently i did there's a thing about it yeah you watched it recently there's a thing about a link between the Krell, which are these people who are on this planet that Leslie Nielsen, this film is basically, uh, you, you may see this described somewhere as uh, Shakespeare's the Tempest in space, because right. there is this fig, there's this Prospero figure on the planet that Leslie Nielsen and all the, um, uh, military space explorer guys go to, um, who has, he doesn't realize this, but there is an evil on the planet that he thinks is external to him, but it is internal to him. It is this like right. internal manifestation of desire. And also uh, he has a daughter. So it's also ends up being kind of like incestuous desire. And that's one of the things that makes it, I think particularly psychoanalytic sure. in its exploration. Sure. There is in terms of like film form and what it's doing, you know, as a, like as a film document that I just think the soundtrack is really, really interesting. And there is this like direct linking between the Krell, the people who are, who are the beings who became, who just disappeared completely. Like they be like the, the, the supposition is like they became some other kind of matter. Right. Uh, there, there's this I- idea that like they're in the, in the sound, like you can hear them in right. sound waves. Right. I think if my right. that, yeah. and it's, then there is something that modulates a little bit in the soundtrack. So it's kind of, I think it's a, it's a nice thing that the film does is like, it's it, it sort of as a MacGuffin telling you that the Krell are already here because you've already been listening oh, to the right. soundtrack. That's very good. Being like this. Yeah. 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 So yeah. that I thought was really, very really good. cool about the movie. A really nice yeah. idea. Um, well, now what do you want to say about the movie? No, I just, <laughs> I, th- I think it's fine. I just th- like, 
to me, I guess I understand why Lacan ne- rarely, not never, rarely said the term id. I, my theory is maybe he watched <laughs> Forbidden Planet and was like, okay. I mean, it's just, for one thing, I, don't, I think that it's, I think that its conception of id is completely wrong. So I think... Yeah, that's fair. You know, the notion of id is, for, for like, okay, it's Freud's concept from the structural theory when he divides the psyche into id, ego, superego, right? And the id is supposedly the drives, right? Like what we, what's unconscious and, and uncontrollable in us. But, mm-hmm. and, and the film really literalizes tries to literalize that, 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 that Morpheus, the guy who's on the planet, who's, who's, who's marshaled the, the intellect of the Krell doesn't realize that he's also marshaled this id of the Krell. And that's doing all kinds of dastardly things. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and, and, and and I guess the problem, and then the, 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 spa- the explorers finally give him, they give him a little lecture at the end or us a lecture saying, this is the problem. We can't control the id. We all have this id mm-hmm. that's out. So I just thought, and and, and the, the film really makes an opposition between reason or rational control and the emotions of the id. But I think the point of psychoanalysis is that the, those two things aren't so easily separable, right? Like that, reason itself has a id dimension to like it's mm-hmm. it's yeah. there's something and i think that's communicated interestingly in thing from another world right like there in thing from another world there's a sense that the scientists just pursuing reason itself are mm. are, are are threatening to bring horrible destruction upon us right and so that and that's i think that's the id Right, like that's the yeah. end, yeah. and and I think that in Forbidden Planet, it's too facile. It's just this like opposite. It's like okay, Morpheus, he was led by reason on the one hand, but he didn't think about this evil, <laughs> emotional id on the other hand. I don't know. That's just yeah. my. I just find it a. And, and I wish that the term id wasn't used. I guess I, I, that was yeah. another thing. So I don't know, but but I could be argue. I could be convinced that it's a. It's a masterpiece. I think I'm not, you know what I'm saying? I'm not, (laughs) not, I'm not even kidding. Like I'm not, I'm I'm not totally, (laughs) I'm not totally, uh, I'm not totally like, like you could not, no one could convince me that uh, Phantom Menace is a masterpiece, right? Like I'm, 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 my mind is made up on that, but this, on this film, I I, I could go either way. So that's why I said convince me, but, but I don't think you felt that way either. So. No, I, I didn't feel that way exactly. No, it's just you saying that it kind of reminded me of um, in Spinal Tap at the, toward the end of the movie when David St. Hubbins, the Michael McKean character, says, um, I believe everything I read, which I think makes me a more discerning <laughs> reader. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's like, I, uh, you know, I, I, it's a you know, terrible use of the id. At, you know, it's like, it's just Tempest in space. I, but I can be convinced it's a masterpiece. Well, I, I mean, I no, I mean, I, I, that sounded so wishy-washy. But my point is, like, I'm not, I, I could... I guess I, I didn't dislike the film so much, and so yeah. I, 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 I could see things that I could see someone making a case about yeah. the way that it's structured that says, well, it really is doing something that you're not you're missing. So yeah, that's, that's all if I, I was going to take if I was going to take a stab at that, okay. if I was going to take a stab at that. Um, is that 
it, you could say that the point of the film that this is this is what you might say is that maybe the point of the film was actually like it was part of your critique, which is that like the um, I, I think I would say this is that like doesn't the like it doesn't in the film showing visually that to think that the and this is a more some this is a more simplistic reading, but to think that the it is like. To, to think that the id is this it that is outside of you, that is, that's oh. the error. Yeah. Yeah. That's good that so he that thought w- that he didn't realize that Morpheus didn't realize. Is that his more? I'm, I'm confusing more, it with it's, it's Matrix. Morbius. Morbius. No, it's okay. yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that I would do that. I wasn't uh, going to correct you unless it seemed really important. And yeah. it still doesn't, <laughs> but I did. So. Okay. But I asked you to. Um, you asked me to. Yeah. Uh, Morpheus is just for everyone is the character in Matrix. That's why I did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, I think that that's that seems like a good point. I think that's a good point. That 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 it is it is it's critical of the way Morbius doesn't see. Uh, he thinks that this thing is external and thus controllable. Yes, and in reality, it like penetrates into him yes. because it's part of him yeah. and part of his psyche. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's good. Which is a, which is another, it's a nice, like, uh, it's another, um, again, like, like formally speaking, it's a nice incorporation of German expressionism. The, like, again, your yeah. interior, your interiority becoming the externality yeah. with the difference here being the, the character not realizing that and having like fatal consequences. Right. Terrible consequences. The and the, the other thing that the film does is it sets us up for the concluding film we're going to talk about because <laughs> yes. the, the 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 thing that people remember from the film I think is maybe this it at the end and maybe Morbius but I think mostly Robbie the robot right like Robbie he's the, the robot first who alcohol and belches just like Bender from Futurama yeah. sorry please go ahead yeah no and then I just think he's 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 one of the early uh I guess artificial intelligence figures in uh in science fiction that really has a, has an important, at least attracts spectator desire, right? Like yeah. it's someone who the spectator's desires cathected around, I think. Yeah. It's all, yeah. And there's also a bit of like, I mean, I think part of what makes the film fun, this is not to, to argue for its um, intellectual or aesthetic merits, but like there is kind of camp appeal with, with Robbie and yes, like, he, for sure you're intro you're introduced to him and it's a little, I, I actually think, um, I think that Douglas Adams may have been influenced from this because uh, in uh, Hitchhiker's Guide, because when you like when you first they land on the planet and they know there's something there, but they don't know what it is. And then there's something coming at them really fast. And it's this robot just hauling ass across <laughs> like a a vast wasteland to, yeah. <laughs> to then yeah, just yeah. like sh- yeah. to then just Very stop good. and then just like ask like whatever. And I think that's how you're introduced, if I'm remembering right. That's how you're introduced to Zaphid uh Beeblebrox in the in the books, but yeah. I don't remember. But yeah, no, it's I think just, that's right. It's, it's just kind of like there, there's just something kind of funny about there's just something kind of funny about it. He's just yeah. screaming across the, the yeah. background, and then he sure. shows up anyway. For sure, but yeah. um, but you're right about like the so okay. So what would you say like what all of these films have? I think strong characters, and I also just so I don't forget because I think I will. Um, the just to make a brief Star Wars point, which is another film that changes sci-fi, the trajectory of sci-fi and what it does often you'll, you'll see this, that it's a, um, people say it's like a space Western or a space, yeah. uh, opera as though like what, 
what what Star Wars brings to sci-fi that it didn't really have before is melodrama, not Western. The sci-fi Western, I even told you, I told you about Phantom Empire. That was from, what was it? I, I don't have that in my notes. Is it 35, 38? Yeah, yeah. That's 30, a sci-fi. Charlie, that's like, 30, yeah. yeah, 35. That's like quite literally a sci-fi Western. But all of these have, there's there's romance there, in, in a lot of these. There's a romantic subplot, but there's not melodrama, which is another genre we'll, we'll get to. And that's what Star Wars brings to the sci-fi right. formula that I think current films are struggling with that they don't like because it's it's kind of funny like the best Star Wars stuff recent in recent years like Rogue One or uh, Andor and uh, even a little bit like but, uh, to an extent even Mandalorian like it doesn't have melodrama because mm. um, I think that I just think they don't know how to how to incorporate it um, so excited to do our melodrama episode. Of yeah. Course. yeah. Um, but, uh, so to take us back, dial, dial it back a few years, uh, nine years, I think to 1968 to space odyssey. And one of the things, so there's not a romance, there's not, not a romantic plot in, in this film either, nor is there melodrama, but, and nor are nor there, are women. there really, <laughs> nor women. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, it, not that the representation is better in a lot of these films. Like there's like one, like there's right. like, no, no, really, no, 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 no. You know, like like Forbidden Planet, I think is also pretty pretty terrible. Uh, yeah. Pretty terrible on that front. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, but w- what you don't really have in uh, you have named characters, of course, in Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey. But the most the point, I mean, this is clear. Kubrick's doing this because he knows how to make um really uh like a- attractive and and uh like libidinally effective characters in his films, you know, like, I mean, strange love is just full of them, but he's clearly like human characters. I mean, but he's clearly not doing that here. So there's right. obviously there's Dave Bowman, who's kind of the main character, but he's not much of a, of a no. character. All these films have very, very strong characters or they have strong relationships in space. Odyssey doesn't really exist because who's the centerpiece is how in the way that is, you're right to say inspired by the camp, I think, of Robbie the Robot, but it's like it's like Kubrick saying, like, what if I dialed the camp to zero? Yeah. You know, like what if we yeah. what if we did that with with the robot? And that is uh I, I think that's a the, just a core part of uh of Space Odyssey that is I I don't know, like in the list of films that I have here is difficult for me to find a antecedent to it. I think that's um, right. It's just a, it's a, yeah. it's 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 sui generis. I think it's really like not there's not a not a like film, right? Like it's yeah, uh, and I think it's part of it is because he manages to make the computer into the only just as you said perfectly the only human character in the film, yeah, and yeah. also the most compelling character, and so his death is one of the most crushing. deaths in the history of cinema i think which is crazy because obviously he was never alive so that's yeah yeah i think and 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 the idea of dave dying you're kind of like he gets stuck (laughs) out of outside in space and that's okay uh does dave die or does he become the star child well i yeah i don't know i'm just saying when he's locked out of the airlock you're not yes oh yeah right right, you're not really that concerned for him uh yeah because yeah i mean uh Michael Berube, who who teaches at Penn State, he has a, I think that it's, wasn't it's, he a singer? Are you sure? <laughs> I don't. Well, it was know. Michael Bublé? Sorry, continue. <laughs> You're funny, man. Uh, <laughs> no, he he wrote a book back in the '90s, I think, called Public 
Incorporated or Public Room. I don't know what it was called, but but there's an essay in there on 2001. And his point there, I thought this was such a, I remember I went to Penn State and I saw him and I'm like, you know, I just want to say, you're, you really made a real impression on me, this, this point. He said that the reason Hal goes crazy is because he's the only one who knows the truth of the assignment and he has yeah. to keep it from everyone else. And yeah. I thought, wow, that's really, it's like, re- and I think it it speaks again to Kubrick's humanization of Hal. Hal's neuroticized as a yeah. computer. And I think that's really a a fascinating point about the way in which our relationship to signification isn't so much tied to our human animality as it is to this this violence of the signifier, right? I think that's what Kubrick is really is really onto with the no, that's creature. That's power. very nice. Yeah. Well, does isn't that really nice? Like, I, like I, because I think I've always thought about it as oh, it's because he knew the truth. But I think this. The little the, the little edge on this that's like really important is because he knows the truth and can't say. Right. He can't like say. That, right. He can't right. say. You know, like like and that that's so and it just so what's the like it's it's almost like the um yeah, no, that's really nice. Like like the like the, how how the um how how neurosis is written on the body. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. you isn't know, it like true? like this. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, isn't it also true? Right. I think that's absolutely right, the way you just put that. And I also think it's about the way that ideology works because we're forced, we're, we're, we're introduced into the truth of the society. And then mm-hmm. we are, there's an imperative, a, a social imperative not to say, right? Like you yeah. can't, you <laughs> can't say the truth. Like, so it's not just... Point. We're all duped into a lie. No, we're mm-hmm. all, we all, the truth is revealed to everyone. And then the way that the social, the, the power of the society hooks into us is that mm-hmm. we're, and this is the way you psychically give yourself over to it, is that you're compelled to constantly lie about it. Like to constantly yeah. lie and say, I don't know, whatever, everybody has an equal chance or something. You know, I, 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 Look, I love Joe Burrow, and I think he's a great guy, but I'm going to use him as my negative example okay. here, which okay. is terrible. So he's the quarterback for Cincinnati Bengals. Yesterday I heard him say, you know, it's like everything. You like you you have an idea thing you want to accomplish, and then you work as hard as you can, and then you accomplish it, and then you'll get mm-hmm. it. And I just thought, yeah. well, that's just not right. That's not true. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's not true. Uh uh, and he's a he's actually politically a pretty good guy, I think, in every kind of way. So I I, I don't mean yeah. to pick on him, and I think because I think I say everybody thinks this and says it, but that's the meritocratic yeah. idea upon mm-hmm. which contemporary capitalism functions, and you you're forced to avow it in all like he was he was forced to avow it in an interview, but people are forced right. to avow it every every day, like like a. When you take an exam in class, like you're forced mm-hmm. to avow this idea that this there's a meritocratic system that's functioning, and I'm going to be rewarded if I worked hard to study and get the good right. Like we're constantly forced to avow this fundamental lie, and I think that yeah. to, to me that's what's great about 2001 that it shows just how damaging that is 
to you and also how it works, right? Like I think we don't, I don't think people think that's how ideology works. I think people think ideology, I think Marxism, I don't mean to pick on Marx, but I think the fundamental Marxist idea for Althusser is that ideology in some way fools you, right? Like it gets Mm -hmm. you to think that, that you're a subject when you're just a concrete individual. That's Althusser's Mm -hmm. idea, right? But, but no, I think actually it's this, it's this, compulsion to lie about something fundamental that's the real ideological hold i don't know can i give no no no. i, I like that can i give a really mundane and give me a good example? yeah my example okay, wasn't the, good because i picked on the no. one of the <laughs> athletes your, that i love the most so. no 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 i think that makes it good nice you had you had to accept the cut didn't you to, yeah, to, yeah, to yeah, make the example yeah. so um here's my very mundane example i remember i don't know why i remember this but i remember being uh told uh by uh, by my parents, shout out to my mom who's probably listening in the car right now. That uh, also pay attention ten and two on the road. Don't look at your radio. Um, that don't I shouldn't pick my nose. And I think I remember. I was like, okay, got it. And I remember then noticing that everyone did it. In like in I just noticed other people doing it, and I just remember having this like thing. And then I and then what I realized was was like, oh no, you just you're not supposed to do it in public. Right. And right. then I thought, but everyone does it, but you're not supposed to do it in public, but everyone does it, but you're not supposed to do it in public. And like this, this thing. And like, um, like, like, like my, my head, I'm like in like iRobot. There's that robot that is, you I, know, I, like I know, what laws. Yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. He can't, he, he can't refuse an order from yeah. a human, but also can't do something that'll damage himself. But he has to yeah. deliver a package across a desert that'll kill him, but he can't refuse, you know, so he just yeah, goes yeah. back and forth yeah. until he dies. Um, obviously that last part didn't happen to me. Uh, I got on with it, but that was the, because you have to like kind of accept that thing. Everyone picks their nose sometimes, but also don't do it in public. It's gross. Even though everyone does it, everyone thinks that's gross, even though everyone does it. And it just seems like, yeah. <laughs> like such a, you know, so, but that's, that is like, again, that is this banal mundane, like, uh, uh, <laughs> like, I don't know what I, I don't know. Does that rise to the level of existential yeah. contradiction? Yeah, I think no, I, I think it's right. I think it's right that the, yeah. the, 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 the ideology is in the compulsion to act in a way that you know is a lie, right? Like that's, the, yeah. The, the, yeah. That, that it's not, and I think it's not that, again, it's just not the knowledge. And I think that's what's so great about Kubrick's, I mean, I think it really is, I get a little bored by the long light show, but sure. just because I'm, I'd never have dropped ass, and so it makes it harder. Uh, but I have to say, I think it's a re- a real masterpiece, and 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 you know what happened as a result? It's just un- unheard of what happened as a result. So Kubrick got thanks to this film, he got a, a basically as much money as he wanted to make a film for his next mm. projects, and and not only that, but the deal was the studio wasn't allowed to ask him any questions. So, so they couldn't even call up and say like, Oh, he'd just be like, okay, send another couple million. And they're like, well, what's the title? I'll tell you when I'm going to tell you, you know, they weren't even allowed to ask him that. So it was a pretty, no one will ever have that deal again. Jeez. Never. No, of course not. Never. That's not just final cut. That's like all cut. It's it's, it's incredible. Right. It's incredible. It's Wells like, except it's, Yeah, it's it's like Citizen Kane, and then that was taken from Wells, mm. and and then and then disaster for him. But Kubrick never had it taken away because all of his subsequent films, 
except maybe Barry Lyndon. I'm not sure if that film made money, but all of his other mm-hmm. subsequent films made money. Yeah. Sometimes uh, a lot. Just, I think Clockwork made a lot. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, just <laughs> no, just because you mentioned Wells. I know it's radio, and this is we're talking about sci-fi as a film genre, but did you want to spend a second on uh, War of the Worlds? I don't know. I maybe want to spend a whole episode on War of the Worlds. All right, so okay. I'm not sure if okay. I want to. Yeah, because okay. I think there's such, right. it's such a... It's, it was such an apocal event, right? And I think it, it, yeah. it's also so so uh, theoretically interesting. We could do a whole thing. We could do the radio. We could do the 53 film. We could do... And, and the novel. The, um, yeah. and the, the novel and then the Tom the Cruise. Current, the, yeah, the, yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Okay. All right, we'll save it for that. Yeah. Um, the, I think... Um, I think last uh, last couple of things to uh, about Odyssey is that like you, it does it does complete this trajectory, and this does go go back uh, to what we were talking about with Metropolis, where it is the like it's the aesthetic that really uh, becomes the the hallmark yeah. of of these of the influential film, particularly in the in the sci fi genre, and not like because I. Mo- like alien is so influ- like the spacesuits are so influenced by this so the the shots yeah. of the of the nostromo when it's just in the beginning it's just shaped quiet. by it yeah yeah it's just utterly shaped the interiors just incredibly yeah. shaped by it the 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 idea of like i mean alien is great it'd be really great to talk about alien um at length uh, uh, uh probably in the in the next iteration of yeah of this thing like sci-fi after um after Odyssey, whenever we do that, but like the the opening shot, reverse shot in Alien is between it's it's a computer, it's a message being received by a computer with uh, the reflection of that message being re- received by a helmet reflection. Right. So it's it's right. it, it's it's like so the shot reverse shot is not even it's not even between two machines. It's like between like a machine and itself right. having this kind of like yeah, split subject. But also you're right. So um, so indebted to Kubrick. So indebted to Kubrick, and but the aesthetic, and but this is the point that I was that I was trying to make that like, it, narratively speaking, I it's hard for me to think of a film that does two thousand one where there aren't really characters, and the 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 AI or is the is the point of it, and it's and it's like this real slow burn, and that goes back to the to Metropolis and yeah. the, like the, the workers, uh, yeah. being so, so, so in, in the proletarian like revolution being so central to that narratively, but the aesthetic being the thing that's picked up. And I think, again, it's, it's like, it's, I, I think that, that it's like endemic to this genre yeah. that like, I, I agree. Think the I agree. The aesthetic are, rules the narrative. It's absolutely, it really true. does. And, there, yeah. and, and it, and it, uh, lasts, it, it persists, I, I think. And, and in, it's um, too bad because I think memory. Kubrick's narrative there is pretty fascinating. Right and the and yeah. the, the dehumanization. I mean, there is the disappearance of the working class, and that that's a Cooper oh, yeah, issue. Sure. Yeah, so, yeah, but, yeah. Right, right. That's a that's a genre issue. But he, that is he a is genre a issue. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, Ryan. What's the lesson, man? Um, I think the lesson is uh, to watch this is Spinal Tap. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, the to my mind, one of the great underrated directors, really. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Marty DeBergowitz, I believe. That, I think name? that's who it is. Yeah, yeah, that's who it is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. I, let's just be clear. It's Rob Reiner. Okay. It's Rob Reiner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His first movie. All right. Over and out, Ryan. Over and out, Todd. 